Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. It's Thursday, the 11th of January, 2024. Sunshine is beautiful, blue sky. Where's my notes? This morning at six o'clock, minus four centigrade, which is 24 Fahrenheit, 94% humidity, 1036 millibars. The wind, well, it's from the east. It has been from the east all the time. It's dropped off a little bit now. Where are we? It's up past 10 now. So it's quite a nice day and I'm going to try and get a walk in later with Trish. Perhaps uh, get a little bit of exercise. We've been stuck indoors for so long, it'll be nice to get out and about. We'll kick off straight away with an email from Sandra. Do you have frozen pipes in your loft? No, we don't have any pipes up in the attic at all. When we moved here many years ago, there was a big galvanised metal tank up in the loft and pipes and that going down to the bathroom. The first thing we did when we moved in was have it all ripped out. New central heating system put in everything. There are no pipes up there at all. But, Sandra, going back to the 50s, the 60s, I remember people having frozen pipes, not only up in the loft, but in the bathroom. I would go in the winter, I would go into the bathroom in the morning to wash. You fill the basin with water, It wouldn't flow away. The waste pipe, not outside, as you would think, the waste pipe in the bathroom, the U-bend under the basin, was solid ice. Can you believe that? Imagine these days if you took a glass of water before you went to bed, leave it in the bathroom, just leave it on the basin or the edge of the bath. In the morning when you go in there, that glass of water is a block of ice. Can you believe it? It was that cold in the bathroom. That's why the U-bend would just freeze. What my mother did was she got some hot water from the kettle, poured it down the plug hole, and that eventually melted the ice. Then we could have a wash. If it wouldn't melt, we'd have to use the bath. It didn't matter if the bath filled up a bit with water, but of course in the basin there wasn't a lot of room, so you couldn't run the tap for ages. The water pipes in the loft were lagged I think they call them insulated these days. They were lagged. You'd wrap this sort of strip of sacking around them, twirl it round and round and round the pipes. I don't know that it did a lot of good. Presumably it helped. But a lot of people had burst pipes when the day warmed up a little bit because the loft area, of course, in the winter it was like a freezer. In the summer it was like an oven. So when it warmed up during the day after a freezing cold night, the ice in the pipes that had split the pipes would melt and of course then the pipes would squirt water all over the attic the ceilings below obviously you go into the bathroom in the upstairs bedrooms there's water pouring through the ceiling through the light fitting dreadful but it was something that happened every winter what could you do about it you've got this huge tank up there you've got pipes up there insulated as best as possible but they still froze i remember bringing the bottles of milk in from the doorstep and the cream had, the whole lot had frozen and pushed the cream out of the top of the bottle. So you've got the silver cap sitting on top of this cream, which was, what, one, two inches sticking out the top of the bottle. So <laughs> we had to take that indoors and wait for the milk to thaw so we could pour it onto our cornflakes. Everywhere, outside and inside the house, was freezing cold. I did say I wouldn't go on about the weather in this uh, episode, because the last, was it Wednesday? I think last Sunday's episode as well. It was nothing but the weather. 
the snow, the ice, the cold, everything. So I will try and steer away from the weather if I can in this episode. Right, we've heard from Sandra. I'm going to get these two mixed up. Now it's Sarah. Sarah says, can you give a bit, listen, a big shout out. It's not a radio station, Sarah. Anyway, to your grandmother, Linda, who is 95 this coming Sunday. That's when you'll be listening to this podcast episode, hopefully. So, Linda, happy birthday. Apparently you listened to all the episodes. You haven't missed one. That's lovely. So big shout out to you, Linda. Happy birthday from me. 95 years old. Is that the oldest listener we've got? What was the youngest? Oh, that was uh, school time. Yes, that's right. School, a schoolgirl, wasn't it? I forget the name now. But it's really nice, though, to have one end of the sort of spectrum to the other. Listeners of all ages. I'm waving my arms around now. I'm doing a Magnus. Is it Magnus Pike or Magnuson? I always get confused. Well, you know I get confused. I ought to have called... <laughs> I should have called this not Ray's rants, Ray's confusion, I think, would have been more appropriate. Hello, Bob. Bob says, how about getting listeners to tell us when and where they listen? Bob listens in bed. (laughs) Well, why not? Why not listen in bed? And he goes to sleep sometimes, halfway through the episode. Well, that's not good, Bob. (laughs) Am I that boring? No, seriously. It's great to hear from you, Bob, and uh, I can understand why you doze off listening to me but that's great so yes raise rants at protonmail.com where do you listen now who was in norway listened while walking through the forest in norway and there was one in california i think that was a lady was it my memory serves me correctly listens to me on the way to work in her car i'm sure that was in california i get emails now no it was me i'm not a lady i'm a man and i'm in Nevada. Oh, okay. I got that slightly wrong. (laughs) My, oh dear, (coughs) I mustn't laugh. It makes me cough. My cold has almost gone. You'll be pleased to hear. I'm certainly pleased to hear it. Trisha's back is just about better because she twisted or did something wrong there. So we're all looking forward to a a happy and healthy new year. Get rid of these germs and lurgies and things and get out of the house into the fresh air. Derek, nice to hear from you. This episode is supposed to be about things that have happened over the years, over the decades, 50s, 60s, 70s. Now, Derek is saying, do you think we have, this is all in keeping really, do you think we have too much choice these days? We have so many TV channels, and they're all rubbish, according to Derek. I do agree, Derek. We have lots of radio stations that all sound the same, according to Derek, and again, I agree. We have too much choice in the supermarket. Ah, yes, as we've talked about before, strawberries in the middle of the winter. We didn't have that in the old days. You had seasonal vegetables, seasonal fruits. We didn't have strawberries for Christmas lunch or or pudding or whatever. You know, we had whatever was available at that time of the year, whereas now... You can have kiwi fruit, you can have anything you like at any time of the year. I do take your point, Derek. Back then, things were, I know I'm always banging on about this, they were so much easier, simpler. Is that a word, simpler, more simple? Simpler, that'll do. We didn't go to the supermarket, do a weekly shop. Not in the 50s and 60s, you didn't do a weekly shop. You went over to the local shops to get what you wanted if you've run out. Say you've run out of bread. I mean, the milkman brought the milk. But you've run out of bread. And I remember as a kid, given half a crown or whatever it was, 
There's sixpence for you for going. There's half a crown. I need a loaf of white blah 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 bread or whatever and a cabbage. And I'd nip over the shops. Ten minutes round the corner. That's all it was. Ten minute walk. I'd go into the shops, get the cabbage, get the bread. Sixpence worth of sweets. Blackjacks. Four for a penny. Lovely. <laughs> and then go home. There you go, Mum. We pop round the local shop, not every single day, but not far off daily. Run out of this, run out of that, or need some butter. Nip over to the shop for me. In fact, the old lady next door, she'd call me over. She'd oh, oh, Ray, Ray, could you come here? Could you pop over the shop for me? I need a cauliflower. What, a cauliflower? Okay. Sixpence for going. I did quite well nipping over the shop for people, apart from my mum. Nip over the shop, cauliflower for the old... I mustn't say that, the elderly, <laughs> what I used to call her, the elderly lady next door, and I got my sixpence for going. It was quite a, a good little earner, that, actually. And Derek, you've also mentioned uh, social media-type platforms. There are too many. I agree with that as well. There are too many. There's Twitter, isn't there? There's Facebook. There's, what is it? I, don't, I can't remember them all now. Instagram. There's loads of these platforms, as they call them. And I have to think, now, who's on which platform? Oh, yes, I want to chat to, to Fred. Oh, he's on Facebook. I'll message him on there. Now, I, would, I need to talk to uh, Robert. Oh, he's not on Facebook, is he? What's he? Oh, he's on uh, Telegram, is it, or Signal? There's too many of them. I don't know what's going on. Of course, what happens is you end up on all of them. That's what I've done in the past. I'm on all these platforms. So anyone that wants to contact me, they can. In the end, I got rid of them all. It's just ridiculous. All these different things on my phone. <laughs> I just want a telephone. And of course, back in the old days, that's all we had. And not everyone had a telephone. I remember when ours was first installed in the house. I got in from school. What was I, 10? 10 years old? And the phone was ringing. And I didn't know we had a phone. What's that? My mum said, you better go and look in the hall. It might be for you. I picked it up. It was. She'd arranged for a friend of mine down the road to phone me when I got in from school. Great, a telephone. That was the only communication we had. Oh, and letters. I used to write letters when I was 10. I used to write letters to my nan, who lived up in Surrey, and she'd write back to me. It was lovely, getting a letter. Oh, look, one for you. There we are, look. That's for me. Open the letter. Oh, it's from nan. And she'd put uh, a postal order in the letter, because I was her favourite, of course. <laughs> I don't think I was. But she put a postal order in there. So I go over the post office, over the road, again over to the shops, and cash in the postal order. It would only be for five bob or something like that. But that was lovely. Talking of the post office, in the old days, if you ordered something, what we call mail order, out of a catalogue or newspaper, you'd see something, I don't know, say a, a set of screwdrivers, for example, bit of a daft example but there we are you'd get the address from the newspaper and you'd send off your check or postal order they'd have to get the if it was a check they'd have to get the check clear the check which took three days at the bank then post the item to you you wouldn't get your screwdriver set for at least a week if not longer whereas these days people are annoyed well I ordered it yesterday where is it it should be here today they want everything the next day or even the same day I think we've all gone too far. This is what Derek is saying with all the, the food availability. You know, you go to the supermarket, you can buy pineapples, strawberries, raspberries, any time of the year, because they all come from abroad. And it's the same with things like parcels. If I order something now, where are we now? Mid-morning. 
Well, I expect it to be here first thing tomorrow morning. And if it doesn't arrive tomorrow, I'll be annoyed. Well, where is it? I ordered it yesterday. What's going on? I think it's all gone too far. Right, I've been looking up some stuff here, just out of interest. In 1957, the average British woman was 5 foot 2 inches tall, 9 stone 10 pounds, size 3 feet, and dress size 12. Okay, now 60 years later, it says here, is that 60 years later? I don't know when this was written. British women, on average, are 5 foot 5, and they were 5 foot 2. They weigh 11 stone, this is the average, is that right? 11 stone, whereas they were 9 stone 10, size 6 feet and dress size 16. And here's another little uh, statistic, I don't know how accurate all this is. Uh, back then, bra size was 34B, today it's 36 double D, is that right? Struth. I got all this from the internet, I don't know how true it is. The statistics apparently were compiled by uh, Lingerie Brown Blue Bella, who researched data on changing body shapes using data from the fashion industry. The British Bras Survey, Office of Nationals, Statistics and blah blah, NHS. What's this? British Bras Survey? OK, well that's something to survey, I suppose. But it's interesting though, we are getting bigger, taller, wider, bigger, heavier overall as the decades go by. The reason I looked all that up was because Emma, hello Emma, Emma has a question. Now she says it's a serious question and it's a good question, a genuine question, Emma. It's good. She doesn't want to cause offence, which you won't, so don't worry about that. Her question is, when did people start getting overweight and why? Okay, if I look back over the decades, when did people start putting on all this extra weight? When did it, Basically, when did they start getting fat? I'm going to use the word fat because I use it on myself. I have a fat stomach. I'm not going to say it's large or distended. It's a fat stomach. Okay, I'm not offended by that. I won't use the word fat again, just in case it does offend some people. That's a good question, Emma. When did people start to become overweight? Now, this is young people she's talking about mainly. So let's start with school children. When I was at primary school, that's up to the age of, what, sort of 11, there was, in my school, there was one boy who was hugely overweight. He was a barrel. He had no neck. He was just one mass of, well, overweightness. He had a medical problem. We were told that he had a medical problem. It wasn't because he pigged out on food all the time. And we felt sorry for him. Normally, kids poke fun at other kids, don't they? They bully them and poke fun. We all felt sorry for him, or the majority of us did. It wasn't his fault. But the rest of us were skinny. Now, this is the 1950s. We were skinny. We were walking skeletons. We really were. Then in the 60s, uh, early 60s, I suppose, late 50s, I went to the secondary school. You go there, what, 11, 12 years old. 600 kids at that school. I don't remember, I can't recall one child being fat. We were all skinny. Some were perhaps a little bit chunky. Some were very tall, some were short, but none of them were overweight. We were all skinny. Then, during my teenage years, I went out to work. I don't remember anyone at work being overweight. We were all bean poles. We were stick insects, all of us. 
I can't, I'm thinking back now into the workshop, there are TV engineers, the management, no one was overweight. Then moving on into the 70s, I don't remember people being overweight. The 80s, I don't remember anyone being overweight. 90s, I think that's when it started. I've also looked up various figures about all this, and I agree with what I've read. The 90s seems to be when people started to put on weight. I was chatting to a couple of people the other day, and I mentioned Emma's comments. One of the people I was talking to said, Oh, yes, look look at all the takeaway shops. Takeaway shops everywhere. Chinese, you name it, Indian. Takeaway shops everywhere. People stuff themselves with takeaways. As I pointed out, back in my day, we had fish and chip shops. In the 60s, we had Chinese restaurants. You could take away food. So, okay, there are a lot more now, but almost every street corner had a fish and chip shop, along with a red phone box. Well, not quite every street corner, but they were everywhere. So I'm not sure that it is just down to takeaways, as this person suggested. Now, looking back to my childhood in the 50s, we used to eat sweets. Honestly, we would eat sweets like there was no tomorrow. Mars bars, Topics, Toffee Crisp, Kit Kat, Milky Way. Do you remember them all? Chocolate bars. Then all the other sweets. Quarter of pound of this, quarter of aniseed, quarter of pear drops. With the amount of sweets we used to eat... I don't know how we ever enjoyed our meals. But we didn't get, I was going to say that F word, we weren't overweight, we were skinny. Why? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? As far as children were concerned back then, I don't think they got overweight because they were active. They were out on their bikes, over the woods. Here we go, I know I bang on about this. When I was a boy, I was over the woods climbing trees, running about, mucking around in the pond, riding my bike. I was active all the time, and I am convinced, I might be wrong, raise rants at protonmail.com if you want to comment. I might be wrong, but I reckon all the calories we were taking in the form of sweets, we were burning off on our bikes, over the woods, down the beach. We were burning off more calories than we were taking in via sweets. I don't remember... At any of the schools I went to, I don't remember any child being dropped off in a car or picked up in a car. Some would get the bus if they lived too far away. The majority of us walked. I did a test on Google Maps the other day, not a test. I looked at my route where I used to walk from where we lived to the school, a mile and a half there and a mile and a half back. So I walked three miles a day. That's not a lot, you might think. It's not, is it, really? Walking three miles a day isn't much at all. But... It was better than no miles a day. That's the point. And after the three miles, I'd go over the woods or down the beach and blah, blah, blah. I've banged on about all this before. I don't remember anyone getting dropped off in a car to go to school or picked up and taken home. It just didn't happen back then. Older people, they would chop kindling wood. We all had coal fires back then. You have to have kindling wood to light the fire. These days, people go and buy... Can you believe it? Honestly, they go and buy a bag of chopped up wood. We used to chop it ourselves. I remember as a kid in the back garden, chopping up wood to make kindling wood to light the fire. My dad did it. He cut up wood. People don't want to do anything these days. Can you believe back then people would grate their own cheese? I know, isn't it astounding? Grate cheese? What, you mean get the block of cheese and grate it yourself? Stone the crows. I can't do that. I can't be bothered to do that. I haven't got time to do that. 
I buy grated cheese. Have you ever heard of anything so daft? I mean, come on, you can't grate your own cheese. Struth. <laughs> I know I don't do politics, but the latest thing I've heard is, who is it, Starmer or someone, some Labour Party leader? He wants teachers now to teach children how to clean their teeth. What? How to clean their teeth? Oh, I don't know what to say. Let's move on from that. <laughs> Dear me. No wonder I don't talk about politics. So kids and dads chopping wood in the back garden. Mums. Monday was wash day, wasn't it? Before we had washing machine. This is in the 50s. My mum didn't have a washing machine in the 50s. Loads of mums didn't. Then we started having these single tub ones, didn't we? Then twin tubs. They're doing it all in the kitchen, in the sink. Then a, a mangle, mangling it all. Perhaps you had a spin dryer, hanging it all out on the line. It was all physical work. Now, what does all this chopping wood and doing the washing, what does it all do? Burns off calories, doesn't it? There we are. You don't need all these fancy diets. Just burn off <laughs> some calories. I think I've told you before, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm fat. I'm fat. Well, my stomach is. I'm 16 stone and I'm six foot two. I shouldn't be 16 stone. I think I should be 13 or 14. So I've got to lose at least two stone. Two stone is um, 28 pounds, isn't it? In America, you go by pounds, don't you? So a stone is 14 pounds. I've got to lose at least 28 pounds, which I'm now working on. I'm doing that as we speak. Well, not as we speak, I'm sitting here. But you know what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've halved my food intake. Two poached eggs on two bits of toast for breakfast is now one poached egg on one bit of toast. Half everything. And it is working. I am losing weight. Slowly, of course, but it's happening. As for junk food, or so-called junk food, that obviously isn't helping. You know, people buying burger and chips and eating it in the street as they walk along. That's not good. You should have proper set meals with proper food. I'm not lecturing you all. I'm just saying... Well, I am lecturing you all. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, in reply to Emma's comments, uh, as to when people started becoming overweight, I think that was the 90s, and as to why, I think it's junk food and not moving. What do they say if you want to lose weight? Eat less and move more. It's as simple as that. It's also amazing the amount of people that can't cook these days. Back in my... Here we go. Back in my day, when I was a boy... Now, this might sound sexist, but this is the way it was, OK? Girls did what we used to call at our, our local girls' school domestic science. That was cooking, sewing, embroidering, basically being taught to be a housewife. I know that sounds dreadful these days. Struth, you're saying. Crikey. Schools teaching girls to, to be a housewife. <laughs> cooking ingredients, all this stuff, making pastry, they learned all that at school. Whereas boys like me, well, at my school anyway, I can't talk for other boys' schools. In my school, they were churning out factory workers. We did woodwork, metalwork, learning to use lathes, drilling machines, milling machines. They were churning out factory workers from my school, housewives at the girls' school. That's the way it was then. Now, I'm not saying we should go back to that at all. No, nothing like it. But I do think that boys and girls, are you allowed to say that these days? And everyone else in between then, that should solve any problems, <laughs> should all be taught to cook and to uh, do sewing and put sew buttons on or whatever. They should all be taught about ingredients and how to cook, how to prepare meals.
Because also back then, mothers taught daughters how to cook. Daughters would help mum and blah, blah, blah. They'd learn what to do in the kitchen and prepare nice meals. You see, that's all gone. This is the difference between then and now. And this is what this podcast episode was meant to be all about. Not all about snow and ice, as I was banging on about earlier. All about how things have changed over time, over the decades. From the 50s, girls taught to become housewives, boys taught to become factory workers, to these days where it seems no one wants to do anything. What's all this about a lot of people not wanting to go to work? Oh, I also heard on the news the other day, they're trying to get it into children's heads that school isn't an option. You have to go to school. It seems that a lot of children think it's an option. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not going. If you did that in my day, you'd get the cane. (laughs) Bring back the birch. No, that was evil, wasn't it? But you'd get the cane. It wasn't even mentioned that it was possibly an option as it is the, I don't know. I don't know. Is that progress for you? I think later, uh, Tricia was saying at her school, they had a thing called life skills. And that was for everyone, boys and girls, and those in between. Checking the oil on your car, you know, pull out the dipstick, clean it with a rag, poke it back in, bring it out, check the oil level, check tyre pressures on your car. Basic life skills. Changing a light bulb. You wouldn't believe it. Some people don't know how to change a light bulb. Crazy. So I think that's a good idea at schools. Basic life skills. Honestly, the amount of people that don't know how to wire a plug. You buy a plug. Most appliances these days have a plug on them, don't they? But a lot of people don't know how to wire up a plug. They don't know which fuse should be in there. 3 amp, 5 amp, 10 amp, 13 amp. This is in the UK, of course. They wouldn't have a clue. Back in my day at school, if a child was off school for, I don't know, more than a couple of weeks, then a man would come round from the school board. I remember my mum saying, the school board man will come round because I was, I had, what was it, glandular fever? I don't know what I had. I was off for two or three weeks. She had told the school, but they sent a man round to check just in case it it wasn't genuine. I mean, he did come round and he did check with my mum and it was genuine. But these days, it seems that no one's bothered. If a child doesn't go to school week in, week out, no one seems to do anything about it. It's all rather odd. Anyway, that's enough of that. What else has changed over the decades? Well, we've lost the nice wooden dashboards in cars and the the nice bench seats, haven't we, in cars? It's all horrible plastic now. I'm going to go make a cup of coffee and have a think back over the decades to see what else I can moan about. Of course, another thing a lot of people did back then was gardening, growing their own vegetables. You know, the dad would get in from work and at the weekends he's out in the garden growing the food, vegetables, plants, raspberries. I remember a kid at school, I must just mention this, he was telling us that uh, at Christmas he'd had raspberries, or was it strawberries, or whichever it was. And the teacher overheard, and the teacher said, there are no raspberries uh, this time of year. And he said, no, my dad grows them in the greenhouse. His dad had a heated greenhouse, he had some sort of lighting, for plants and he was growing soft fruit in the middle of winter and it was unheard of and in fact that sort of inspired the teacher to then tell us about various vegetables and different time of year you could have this and you have soft fruit in the summer 
that was quite interesting, but we didn't believe this kid at first. I don't think the teacher did. Going raspberries in the middle of the winter, you know, idiot boy. Our technical drawing teacher used to say that normally to me. Idiot boy. <laughs> well, I was drawing a straight line with a ruler on the, you know, is it the draftsman's type of board? You've got the thing that slides up and down for drawing lines. I was using my ruler. <laughs> I thought it was quicker. Idiot boy. There we are. <laughs> Happy days. There was one of these news channel debates the other day on telly, which was, I just was hearing snippets of it while I was doing something else. And someone was saying, have we become lazy these days? No one wants to do manual work. People just don't want to do it. People don't want to do boring jobs such as fruit picking. In the old days, you'd have all sorts of people, wouldn't you? They'd do fruit picking, hop picking, you know, hops for the beer. You've got to get hops for the beer, otherwise you have no beer. A pub with no beer, that won't do. But people did all sorts of menial jobs and boring jobs. These days, they don't want to. This is what they were chatting about on the telly. I didn't hear all of it. I was busy doing something else. But it was quite interesting, the little bits I did hear. Have we become lazy? Monday wash day, you know, mum's spending the whole day doing the washing. These days, chuck it in the machine and press the button. All done for you. And honestly, the amount of people who don't iron these days, they don't use an iron. They don't have an ironing board or an iron. Well, they might do, but they don't use it. I've heard people saying, oh, I don't iron anything. I mean, you, you can't do it. You can't not iron clothes. Fair enough if you don't want to iron, say, sheets and stuff like that. I mean, underwear you don't iron. People used to, though. They would iron everything. Sheets, pillowcases, everything. But these days, so many people just, they don't do it. I don't know what happens. They must walk around in crumpled clothes. I have often thought over the years I've been doing these podcasts, coming up to five years now, I've often thought that people of my generation now, I'm in my 70s, I'm saying, oh, when I was a boy, we didn't do this. When I was a boy, we didn't have that. People back in the 50s who were in their 70s, they said the same thing. When I was a boy back in 1890 or whatever, we didn't do this. When I was a boy, we didn't have that. And so it goes on. So when the kids now, are, say 10-year-old kids now, are 70 in years to come, what will they look back and say? It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to just go forward into the future and see what people in their 70s are saying about the old days. We can't do that, of course, but that would be interesting. But every generation... They're all the same, aren't they? When I was a boy, when I was a girl, we didn't do that. Well, we did this, we did that. So my moaning about this, that and the other, is nothing new. It's been going on for generations. Oh, I heard the other day that our water, our local water company here, they've been pumping raw sewage into the sea again. Again. Can you believe it? So nothing's changed there. That used to happen when I was a kid. I'd be playing around in the water and you'd see something. What's that? Oh, right, I can see what that is. Leap out of the sea onto the beach. I'm not going back in there. And it's still happening, all these years later. Crazy. Talking of the days when we first got a telephone when I was a child, someone the other day said, do you remember your telephone numbers from the past? I do. That first telephone, that was 45592. How about that? I was, what did I say? I was 10 or 11 or something. 45592. That was the, the first phone that we ever had, mum and dad had. Then we moved house when I still lived at home, and that was 502928. I remember that. 
I can't remember the others. I know my phone number here. We've still got a landline. Lots of people haven't anymore, have they? We've still got one. And I do know the number of that. But I can't remember previous telephones that we had. I just can't remember the numbers. But that very first one, 45592. And also car numbers. Do you remember car numbers? My first... No, what was my... Not my first car. One of my cars was... 268 WKP. No, that was my dad's car. 268 WKP. And one of my cars was 5182 MU, I think it was. 5182 MU. Apparently MU stood for Brighton. That's where it came from, Brighton, just up the road from us. It's funny, isn't it, how as you get older, you can remember things from decades ago, but not yesterday. What did I say the other day to you? Yesterday is another country. The borders are closed. I love that line. The borders are closed. I can't remember yesterday. I was sorting through some books the other day and I found this one. Pre-war chocolate, it's got listed here. In the 1800s, Fry's Chocolate Cream. That was the first chocolate bar to be mass-produced. How about that? In the 1800s. 1905, Cadbury's Dairy Milk. 1908, Bourneville. Do you remember Fry's Turkish Delight? That came out in 1914. Oh, Cadbury's Flake, we all know that. 1920. That's amazing, isn't it? Jaffa Cakes, we all know Jaffa Cakes. That was 1927. I thought this was all more modern stuff. Crunchy, that was good. I was a kid, I loved Crunchy. Brilliant for your teeth, rots your teeth, makes you fat. No, it didn't make me fat. 1929, Crunchy. Then the Penguin Bar was 1932. Milky Way, that's still popular today, isn't it? 1935. Kit Kat, which is still going strong today. 1937. And Rolo, do they still have Rolo? Do you remember Rolos? That was 1937. There we are, pre-war chocolate. That's quite incredible, isn't it? It says here, the Milky Way Bar is not named after our galaxy, but after a type of malted milk or milkshake, as it's now known. Well, I didn't know that. We live and learn. Do you remember the Yorkie Bar adverts? They were going on about this on telly the other day. The Yorkie Bar adverts made out it was for, for men, masculine men. And the advert actually said, not for girls. And people on the telly were, well, I say they were pretending to be shocked. Honestly, some of the younger people that look back to my childhood days... Shock horror. They had an advert that said a chocolate bar was not for girls. Oh dear, dreadful. What a dreadful thing to say. I mean, they, they feign all this shock, surely. They're not shocked, are they? It was an advert. Perhaps it was a bit sexist. I don't know. Struth, get a life. Here come the dustman now, so I might have to have a break in a minute. Now, where's that email? I print out emails so it's easier for me to lose them. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know where it is. Talking of the dustman... Back in my day, in the 50s, the dustmen would pull up outside in their big cart and they'd, they'd come and collect our big, heavy, galvanised dustbin, put it up on their shoulder, on a leather shoulder pad, and go and tip it into the cart. These days, it's all wheelie bins, which are automatically lifted into the cart with this machinery, so they don't actually have to lift anything. We had Coleman... They would put, uh, what is it, 100 weight of coal in those sacks? What's 100 weight? I don't have no idea. 110 pounds has come to mind. That's probably wrong. They put this sack of coal on their back 
and then walk round the back of your house, tip it in the coal bunker. I'm surprised they didn't all have back trouble. Well, they probably did later in life. Everything was manual back then. And of course, it kept people fit. It kept them slim, muscular, unlike me with my fat stomach. <laughs> no, my fat stomach will go this year. That's something that I am determined to do. Do you want a weather forecast? Where are we? It's uh, half past ten Friday. Yes, it's Friday morning, half past ten. The flag is still blowing. There's a little bit of an easterly breeze, so it's calming down. It's warming up. It's 5C out there. No, 6C out there at the moment. So that's not too bad. Overcast. No frost this morning because of the clouds, so that's a little bit better. And it's getting noticeably lighter in the mornings, definitely. What else has changed over the decades? Do you remember Smith's crisps with a little blue salt bag in them? Now, they were around when I was a child. We didn't have flavoured crisps. But I do remember reading somewhere that, now what was it? Cheese and onion crisps were the first flavoured ones ever made, because before that they were just salted crisps, they weren't any flavour. And that was in the 1950s. I remember reading that somewhere. When I worked on the boats, I used to go down to Southampton quite a lot. And they had these Smith's Crisp, was it Smith's or Walker's Smith's, I think. The Crisp factory was down there. And on a, a Monday, for example, Monday and Tuesday, you could smell, just driving along through Southampton, you could smell cheese and onion. And on, say, Wednesday, you could smell smoky bacon. And on a, a Friday or whatever, it was salt and vinegar. And you could smell it. This all wafting out of this uh, Smith's crisp factory all the different flavors on different days that they did quite fascinating i used to drive down there with a another uh, technician chap we'd do the radar and stuff on the boats and we'd say what's the what's the recipe today jim do you remember jimmy young on radio two what's the recipe today jim and it was always a different i think they had a, one each day was it I, I can't remember so 1950s the first flavored crisps which was cheese and onion I quite enjoy looking back through old newspapers. We haven't done that for a while. I've done a few episodes like that, haven't I? One or two where I'm looking back through old newspapers. We must do that again. Have a look back to the 50s, the 40s and even further back. I think that would be interesting. We've got a pile of old papers in the loft. I must drag them down again and have a look. Recently, someone asked me whether we had protests back in my day. Yes, big time. I know these days we've got protests everywhere, haven't we? All the time in every city in the world there seems to be protests about something or other going on. Back then, well in America it was Vietnam, wasn't it? In the 60s, the Vietnam War. And here, what did we have? The CND, Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. That went on. I knew a, a girl that was involved with that and she was camping out. Where was it? Some, I can't remember now. She was one of these people camping out in tents near some nuclear place in Britain. I can't remember where it was. And we had a lot of protest songs in the 60s, Dylan and the like with protest songs. I remember one record I bought when I was in London. I was actually in Carnaby Street and I found this record shop that I went into. And I bought a record. I don't know why I bought it. I forget what it was called. I've got it somewhere. The words were something like, come away Melinda, come in and close the door. There were lots of little girls like you before they had the war. Then she says, Mummy, Mummy, come and see what I have found while digging in the ground. And she's found a photograph album and stuff like that. 
That was a protest song about war. So yes, there were there's music and protests in London and all sorts about the CND had their ban the bomb sign, didn't they? I mean that goes back a long time. I think that goes back to the fifties even. So yes, to answer the question, we did have protests. I've just looked that up. Come Away Melinda is a song written by Fred Hellerman and Fran Minkoff, an anti-war song. Its first release was by Harry Belfonte in May 63. So there we are. Isn't the internet wonderful? Now going back to my day, I'd have to, I don't know, where would you look it up? Unless you had a a book of, what was it called, discography, you know, where you could look up records, something like that, you wouldn't be able to find out, would you? It wouldn't be an encyclopedia, would it? I don't know where we'd be without the internet these days. Can you imagine that? No phone, no mobile phone, no internet. It might be rather lovely, actually, quite peaceful. Talking of looking things up and keeping up to date with things like we do these days, on the telly, you've got the news, on your phone you get news flashes on your iPad, it's all over, isn't it? It's in your face. Anything happens anywhere in the world is there on one device or another. It's there in your face. In my day, when I was in my teens in particular and early 20s, I didn't watch the news. I wasn't interested in the news. I had far more interesting things to do, like go clubbing. <laughs> Happy days. I didn't have a newspaper. I didn't buy or read a newspaper. I rarely watched the news on the telly. I'd only see a snippet on the telly if I happened to be in the room when the news was on. Car radio, well, I listened to the pirate stations or Radio Luxembourg, didn't really have news there. So I was devoid of news, as most of us lads were. Do you remember the Cuban missile, was it the Cuban missile crisis of, was that 62, early 60s? I remember hearing about it, hearing older people in the workshop talking about it. It wasn't in your face, as I was saying, like news is these days. So youngsters didn't take a great deal of notice about it. A Cuban, what, oh, missile crisis, heard something about that. And that was it. The Suez crisis, that, well, that was, what, 52, was it, 53? I was born in 51, so I don't remember that. But later, as a kid, I remember hearing people talk about it. Whereas my point is, why I'm rambling on about all this is, these days, with the internet... You can look up anything and everything, find out all about the missile crisis business, the Suez crisis. You can look at anything and everything you want to. As children, we had encyclopedias, us four, us one of four, we had encyclopedias. The World of the Children, they were called. I think my dad bought them, uh, I was going to say stupidly, from some doorstep salesman. You know, people used to go around selling things like encyclopedias he bought them from whoever that was that came to the door and I must admit they were very very good encyclopedias I think there were five volumes the world of the children and I read a lot in there about electrical electricity and magnetism and all that sort of thing that was interesting they had a lot of maps and illustrations in the books and as a kid again sort of eight what eight nine ten years old it was interesting the trouble was, I think, as with any children of any era, you get to your teens and then things like encyclopedias aren't so interesting. There are other things to look at in the world. Anyway, moving on swiftly. <laughs> Happy days. There are a lot of door-to-door -door salesmen. What they called travellers? Travelling salesmen. I remember, was it Bex Bissell? The chap would knock on the door. Bex Bissell 
carpet cleaner and things like that, vacuum cleaner salesmen, washing machine salesmen, all sorts of people would knock on the door. Good morning, madam. I say madam because of those days the housewife was at home. The husband was out at work. Morning, madam. Can I interest you in a Beck's Bissell carpet shampooer? No, go away. Slam the door. Vacuum cleaners. Morning, madam. Would you like to buy a Hoover Junior vacuum cleaner? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> and they'd come in, wouldn't they? They'd come. I remember this as a kid, salesman coming round to us. I remember one in particular, this chap, I forget the make of vacuum cleaner, but he put a load of dust and dirt on the floor and was demonstrating it to my mum. I'm on the sofa watching all this and he's vacuuming up all this mess he made. And at the end of it all, I think he was rather insistent on, at least let me demonstrate. I'll just come in and show you. Oh, all right then, go on, come in, come in. And at the end of it all, what do you think, madam? She said, hang on. She went into the hall cupboard and came back with the very same cleaner. She said, I think it's brilliant. Look, I've already bought one. And he wasn't happy. He'd gone through all this demonstration and he wasn't happy. But she did say to him, well, I was, was trying to tell you, but uh, you wouldn't let me get a word in. I remember a chap came here a few years ago. I can look at the outside of your house, he said, the brickwork. He said, you might need some pointing redone. We can do the pointing on your brickwork. And I said, no, 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 it's OK. Oh, no, it won't cost you. No, I, I, just let me have a look round. Let me go around the back garden, check all your brickwork. I said, all right, OK, go on then. And he came back in after he'd finished. It was about 20 minutes poking around. He came back in and he said, right, you need some repointing done round the back. And I said, yes, I know. I've got someone coming to do that. Oh, I, mean, I hadn't. I lied, but I did know it needed doing. Oh, OK. Uh, right. Um, OK. And round the front, the lintel over the front door, I said, yes, it's cracked. I know that. I've got a chap coming to sort that out. Oh, and he did say, as he was going away, oh, you could have told me. I said to him, I couldn't get a word in. You were insistent. You wouldn't let me tell you. <laughs> Off he went. That was quite funny. I knew exactly what he was going to say. It's coming up to lunchtime. That's good. I'm starved. Looking forward to my lettuce leaf and half a tomato. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not doing that. No, I'm having a, a proper lunch. What we normally have for lunch is homemade soup and a little bit of bread with it. A quarter. How about that? A quarter of a slice. It was half a slice. Before I started trying to lose weight, it would be two or three slices of bread. I got down to half a slice and now it's a quarter of a slice of bread. The next step will be no bread at all. That reminds me of A Christmas Carol. I love that line. Scrooge goes into a pub or an inn and is having soup. And he says to the waiter, more bread. And the waiter says, that'll be another halfpenny, sir. No more bread. <laughs> no more bread. He wouldn't spend a halfpenny. And the other line I like, it's Christmas, obviously, Christmas Carol. Someone goes up to him, a couple of men go up to me in the street. They're collecting money for the poor. And they say to Scrooge, you don't know me, sir. And he looks at this chap and says, and I've no wish to. Good day to you and walks off. I've no wish to. Perfect. I imagine someone coming to our front door. Oh, good morning. Oh, you don't know me. And there's me saying, and I've no wish to. Good day. Slam the door. <laughs> am I awful? Yes, I am. You're awful, but I like you. That was, oh, what was his name? Dick Emery, that's it, Dick Emery. We were, Trish and I, we were chatting about comedians the other day and how these days 
they don't seem to be funny. Is it just me? Do you agree with that? They're not funny. I don't find them funny at all. The old ones, Freddie Starr, do you remember Freddie Starr? Tommy Cooper, John Cleese. It's a sort of Marmite thing, isn't it? You hate them or love them. They don't seem to have funny comedians anymore. I don't know why. Perhaps it's that they can't tell jokes they used to. You know, you can't make fun of people from other countries or other, like Irishmen and, what was that joke? Irishman, Englishman and a Scotsman go into a bar. That sort of joke. You can't do that now because it offends people. Ricky Gervais has just won an award, hasn't he? For uh, the best whatever he is. So that's rather good. He tells proper jokes. But so many of them these days, they, they're just not funny because, well, humour has been cancelled, hasn't it? Basically, you're not allowed to be funny anymore. Jethro. Who remembers Jethro, the West Country chap? Wow. <laughs> he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he was completely rude, obscene even. But he was, I just love Jethro. Sadly, he's passed away now. But humour is a very individual thing, isn't it? I love Tommy Cooper. Trish can't stand it. Oh, Tommy Cooper, she says, oh, it's not funny at all, just leaves her cold. Whereas all for me, all he's got to do is walk onto the stage, onto the set, and I just laugh. He hasn't got to say anything. It's strange. All he's got to do is walk on and grin, <laughs> and that's it. I'm in hysterics. It is a very individual thing. Who I couldn't get on with, was it Bernard? Manning or someone like Les Dawson no couldn't get on with him at all no doubt one or two of you now I say oh it was brilliant Les Dawson was absolutely brilliant it's a very individual type thing humour and it's just a great shame that uh, as I say humour these days is being cancelled the whole world seems to be having a, a humour bypass was it a humorectomy <laughs> it's good to laugh they say it's very good for your health especially your kind of mental health I think it is good to laugh a lot of people don't laugh these days I used to laugh at the old radio programs uh, the goon show do you remember that round the horn all those old, oh what was it uh, my memory's going Trish was just saying to me earlier she's getting worried because she keeps forgetting things so do I it's nothing to worry about the Clitheroe Kid that was it that was the other program I used to listen to all sorts of funny programs on the radio. And the thing about radio that I used to like, you could be getting on with something. I remember being in my in my shed, in my workshop, doing something or other, listening to the radio. Perhaps Clitheroe Kid on a Sunday, something like that. What else? Was it the, the Larkins, was it? All sorts of funny programmes they had on the radio. Or the BBC Home Service, don't you know? What, what? Happy days. You could get on with something else. My mum used to listen to the radio while she was doing housework. Whereas with the TV, you've got to sit there and watch the, the thing, haven't you? You've got to glue yourself to the screen, otherwise you miss something. I do far prefer radio plays and dramas and things to television because you can use your imagination. I think that's what the beauty of radio was. You can use your imagination... The Navy Lark, that was one of the old ones. Kenneth Williams and all the other people were in, oh, what was it? I can't remember. It's a long time ago, so I'm not worried that I can't remember. The Navy Lark. Was it the Glums? or the, uh, I can't remember that. The Glums? Hancock. Hancock's Half Hour. Tony Hancock. I think he started on the radio and went to telly. Harry Worth. He was on the telly. I think he was on the radio originally. 
What's on the radio now? Well, people don't listen to the radio. People don't have a radio, do they? Who's got a radio? Hands up who's got a transistor radio or an old valve radio, a tube radio. Raise rants at protonmail.com. There's an achievement. I've remembered the email address yet again. Dixon of Doc Green has just come to mind. I'll tell you why, I've just heard a police siren. Don't see any police these days. Dixon of Doc Green. Evening all. Oh, do you remember him? Jack Warner, wasn't it? He was brilliant on the telly. Zed Cars. Ah, oh, I won't go on about all that. Happy days. What should we talk about next Sunday? I'm going to see you on the midweek message on Wednesday, but what should we talk about next Sunday? Tell me what you want to hear. Now, don't say nothing. Switch off and hear nothing. <laughs> No, no, no. I've just decided, I've just said to Trish, we're doing dry January and she's sorting out a load of stuff. I've been talking to you. I'm about to have my lettuce leaf. It's Friday. And I said, I know we're doing dry January, but should we nip up to our club later and have a beer and a glass of wine? And she said, yes, I think we'll do that. We haven't decided 100%, but I think we'll do that. We've tried to support our local club as much as possible. Well, that's my excuse anyway. No, as a friend of mine once said, no such thing as an excuse. There's a reason, not an excuse. We haven't actually stuck to dry January, you know, religiously, because on the 1st of January, Trish had some wine. We were over at her sister's and I was driving. And then we went to our club, was it last weekend or the one before? No, it must have been last weekend because there was the live band on, so I had a couple of beers there. So we're, we're sort of half doing dry January. A friend of mine at the club, he said, what's the point? I said, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you drink a lot in the week and at weekends, then it's a good idea to have a month off the alcohol, give yourself a break, detox, give your liver a rest. And he was saying, oh, well, I don't see the point. As you, Dave, if you're listening, it, it doesn't always listen, but sometimes he does. That was Dave. Pod, as we call him. P-O-D. Pod. Poor old Dave. The reason I've been trying to do dry January is to lose a bit of weight, because alcohol does put weight on you, doesn't it? It's full of calories. I think a can of lager is, is it 250 calories? So a few cans of lager, and you, well, you've had more than you have when you have your dinner. So if you're going to have a few cans of lager, you're not allowed to have dinner. <laughs> Anyway, we might not go. We'll see what the weather does. I'm not walking up there in the rain. My brother-in-law, he says, oh, we go for a walk in all sorts of weather. Lashing rain. We put our wet weather gear on. I'm not walking anywhere in the pouring rain, wet weather gear or whatever. I'm not doing it. I don't want to go out in the rain. It's not enjoyable. I want to enjoy a walk. As, as Trish just said, walking up the club, she said, oh, that'll be your walk for today. It's only five minutes, but it's a good point, you see. I'm trying to keep fit by walking to the club. Better to have tried and failed than not try at all. There we are. So I'm trying to do dry January. Mark, over there in Dublin, in Ireland. Nice to hear from you. Thank you for your email. Nice to hear how you're getting on. How are you doing over there? We haven't done our MP3s, have we? We normally do a little MP3 recording to each other. Hope everything's all right in Dublin. Hope you're not drinking too much Guinness. Do you know, I don't like Guinness. I've tried it. I just don't like it. I don't know what it is. There's something about it. It tastes of talcum powder. Well, no, it doesn't taste of talcum powder, but it's got that powdery sort of thing about it. Anyway, great to hear from you, Mark. <laughs> you remind me of Guinness. 
Oh, and before I forget, thank you to all those who emailed and messaged me about my latest ghost story on YouTube. I know a lot of you don't like ghost stories. Quite a few of you do. And I try to put one on YouTube every now and then. If you look up Ray's Ghost and Pirate Radio Stories, I think, on YouTube, you'll find it there. So thank you for all your lovely messages about the, the latest ghost story. The Forest of Doom, that was it. The, the Forest, Forest of, of Doom. Doom. There we are, a little sound effect added there. <laughs> Crazy, I know. OK, we're coming up to the hour. I don't usually reach the hour, do I? As I said, any ideas for next Sunday... Uh, the episode next Sunday, let me know, raiserants at protonmail.com. And any memories, the older people out there, any memories you've got of the 40s, the 50s, be great to hear from you. I have actually had an idea after talking to one or two people, friends and family, how about transport or travel back in Grandad's time, back in Grandad's day, when there were more bicycles on the roads than there were cars. Go back even further, there were more horses on the roads than cars. Further than that, there were only horses on the road and no cars. So I might do that for next Sunday. I think that's quite good. If you have any comments about that, let me know. Travel back in Grandad's time. That should be interesting, hopefully. Right, I think that's enough for now. We're coming up to the hour, so I shall see you on Wednesday. Take care. Do everything I would and wouldn't do and enjoy yourselves. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.